Good morning to you. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Scams are getting harder to spot, and more young adults are getting tricked into giving away their personal information and then witnessing their money get stolen. So today, I want to talk about the latest scams and how people can protect themselves from becoming a victim of fraud. In the studio with me this morning is the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Minnesota and North Dakota, as well as a professor who researches financial fraud. And we will be taking your phone calls all later in the hour. But first, it's Monday. And you know, that's when I like to get our weekly update on the latest economic news from NPR senior economics contributor, Chris Farrell. Good morning, Chris. Good morning and happy new year. I know it's our first conversation of the year about the economy. Economy. We've been chatting a bit in the newsroom, but uh, there was some good news uh, on the employment front, wasn't there? There was. So 24 straight months of employment growth. And, you know, the government statisticians reported that we gained 233,000 and jobs and the unemployment rate dropped down to three and a half percent. And you saw the really strong job increases in leisure and hospitality, healthcare, construction, social assistance. Mm-hmm. And I just want to highlight a few other numbers. So the unemployment rate for blacks at 5.7 percent, Asians at 2.4 percent, and Latinos at 4.1 percent, essentially unchanged. But the number that really stands out, Angela, and I just think we we don't make enough of this, was the remarkable improvement in the unemployment rate for people with disabilities. So the unemployment rate for people with disabilities dropped to 5%. That's a record low. And the employment rate for people with disabilities also reached a record, which is 22.4%. Now, love to see a much higher number, Mm -hmm. but at least it's heading in the right direction. And this is one of the themes, I think, when you look back, because this is the time of year when you look back, and you look at 2022, you know, there's a lot of sort of hand-wringing about the job growth and employers can't find who they need and it's going to lead to inflationary pressures. Look, having jobs is a good thing. A definition of a good economy is when firms are looking for workers, not when workers are looking for firms. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm not minimizing the problems, but this low unemployment rate, 24 months of job growth, it's something to it's celebrate. A good thing. And overall, uh, for the year, because um, we'd like to talk about how many jobs were gained, what did we see there? 4.5 million last year. So, you what know, does that mean? So, we added 4.5 million, and that's the second best year that we have. And get the best year was 2021. We got 6.7 million, and that was coming out when the worst of the pandemic mm-hmm. was over with. And, you know, you just saw this enormous surge in employment. And the big gains. They were really concentrated the first seven months of the year. And then the Federal Reserve's campaign of tightening uh, monetary policy, hiking its interest rates, the job gains started to slow down toward the end of the year. Nevertheless, they stayed positive. So this last job report uh, of the year for 2022, how does that, like, what power does it have? Does it affect um, Federal Reserve policy for the new year? Well, right now, the Federal Reserve is saying no. And just to give you a case, uh, Neil Kashkari, he's the president mm-hmm. of the Federal Reserve Bank in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and he was interviewed uh, in early January by the uh, Wall Street Journal. And he said, look, he, he expects that the Fed's going to have to keep raising interest rates uh, probably by another percentage point over the next few months. And the quote is, it will be appropriate to continue to raise rates at least at the next few meetings until we are confident inflation has peaked. And that message, Fed governors, Fed presidents, they're all on the same page. They're giving that message right now. Over the weekend, I was in a couple of grocery stores. Uh, Grocery prices 
are still high. They're high. Um, so as we talk about inflation, what are those conversations like? What's the current state of inflation? So I think there's some more optimism again. Everyone got so badly burned last year with their optimism with inflation that everyone's being very cautious. But when you look at wage growth in the report that we got in December, wage growth has really moderated. And then a number of economists have been going on to Zillow and some of the other uh, comparable services. And what they're able to do is real time look what's happening to rents and Rent increases are really decelerating fast. And you're seeing the same thing. Used car prices are also coming down. And so we're in more of a disinflationary environment. And one way to think about it is housing. I mean, housing costs are, you know, the price of housing, remarkably high. But, you know, housing costs, the prices are coming down. Sales are really moderating. So it's hard to see housing being much of an inflationary factor in 2023. All right. Inflation. What about recession? How is that word being used and thrown about? Well, are we in a recession? We are not recession? in a recession. You cannot be in a recession when you have a three and a half percent unemployment rate. Just had to say that over and over again, because you would think that we're in a recession. And one of the things that I do, it's what, what, what I love doing. End of the year, you read all the retrospectives and then you read all the forecasts of what's going on. And it's the consensus is very clear that what uh, there was a poll by the Financial Times um, in the University of Chicago. Eighty five percent of the economists they polled expect that the United States will be in a recession in 2023 this year. So there is a sense and there is this danger, by the way, that a recession can be a self-fulfilling prophecy of enough people believe there's going to be a recession and, and households start pulling back in their spending and businesses get nervous about making their kind of investments. You can actually talk yourself in into a recession. And then there are all the uncertainties. I mean, uh, you take a look, China. China had that zero lockdown uh, COVID mm -hmm. policy. Now they've lifted it and COVID is raging in throughout its economy. What's going to be the impact of that on the rest of the world? All the uncertainties tied to the war in Ukraine and its spillover effects there. And the head of the International Monetary Fund uh, beginning of January we are still in the beginning of January, but it was just a couple of days ago, um, said that about one third of the nations in the world are going to be in a recession in 2023. Uh, a lot of us have been watching uh, what's happening in Congress or what wasn't happening in Congress. <laughs> but is there anything to take away uh, from what we've witnessed um, with uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, finally being elected as Speaker of the House after several days of trying? Uh, what does that tell us about the economy's prospects and, and how the, the you know federal government might be having discussions? So... I think there's one real concern when we're thinking about the economy that comes out of it. I mean, I'm sure there are others, but the one is about will we face a government shutdown and a debt ceiling crisis? So in order to get the job, because it was, what, four days uh, over voting, 15, 15 sessions of voting, um, uh, he had to make a lot of concessions. Mm -hmm. And so the real fear is that we're going to have a debt ceiling crisis, which would lead mm -hmm. to a government shutdown. And if you think about it, Angela, anybody who has a retirement savings plan at work, 403B, 401K, the core, the anchor to that retirement savings plan are U.S. Treasuries, U.S. government. Every business, U.S. Treasuries, you know, are factually critical to their balance sheet, uh, to, you know, to the way they run their business. So it, U.S. Treasuries are the safe asset in the world. So to threaten the viability of those debt, um, those obligations, it would be a terrible thing for the economy. 
And finally, we're going to be talking about scams, the latest scams. Um, I, I, <laughs> I have had over the weekend, I told you I got a text that I, and I realized it was a scam. But um, what can you tell us uh, about, um, you know, what we're seeing and how consumers can protect themselves from getting, um, you know, being victimized? What are you seeing? Well, I got a scam. Here. Just let me just read it to you is, can we be friends? Learn together to make money. I can get three and a half percent of stable income every day by investing in cryptocurrency, which is very safe and without any risk. Now, I knew that was a scam. And we're also. Why? It sounds very friendly. Very friendly, very nice. You know, just respond. (laughs) And with the aging of the population, we're also seeing a large increase in scams. And there's just been this proliferation. I get these ones uh, all the time that the Social Security Administration, I need to call them immediately because there's been a. They're going to be sued for fraud. So all this stuff out there. And your experts are going to, you know, lay out what people really need to be doing. The the one piece of advice I would give stop. Slow down. Mm-hmm. The scamsters are going to try and pressure you to act quickly. That's one of their secret weapons. So you know, if you're if you get a scam and mm-hmm. it's saying send them a credit card number, go take a walk, go think about this, go talk to a friend, and you know maybe come the back next day it. come back to it. And you might go, wait a second here, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So time is your ally. I like that. Thank you. Uh, Chris Farrell, our senior economics contributor here at NPR News. He joins us each Monday morning. Thank you, Chris. Thanks a lot. Now, let's talk more about scams and how you can be a smarter consumer. Pretty much anyone can find themselves a victim of fraud. Most of us have gotten random text messages with strange looking links or maybe a robocall. And for the most part, you know, we just ignore them. But phone scams still cost Americans about $40 billion last year. That's according to the True Caller Insights 2022 U.S. Scam and Scam Report. And online scams are really getting more sophisticated. There are now fake shopping websites that look just like legitimate businesses, hoping to get your credit card information. Now, with the rise of remote work, young adults are getting fooled into applying for fake jobs. They're even interviewing for them and putting their identities and bank information at risk of being stolen. Say, right now, we're going to talk about how scams have evolved. And I want to hear from you. Our phone lines are open. What scams have you encountered in the past? And have you, you know, have you been tricked? Tell us about it. What warning signs do you wish you had noticed and you want other people to know about? And what questions do you have for our guests about the steps you should take after being scammed? You can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, that number is 651-227-6000 or 800 242 2828. You can also tweet me at Angela Davis NPR. Let's bring in our guests. In the studio with me, I have Susan Adams Lloyd, the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Minnesota and North Dakota. Good morning, Susan, and welcome back to the program. Good morning, Angela. Great to be Hi. here. Happy New Year. And we have Marty DeLima with us. Marty is an assistant professor at the University of Minnesota School of Social Work. She studies the risk factors associated with financial fraud and what can be done to protect consumers. Hi, Marty. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. I am so eager to talk to you and to hear what's going on and how we can be smarter about all of this. And Marty, I'll start with you. In general, could you walk us uh, through a description of some of the types of scams that you're seeing? Because it truly is wide ranging, right? Oh, yeah, they really run the gamut. I mean, we're seeing everything still from online shopping scams to romance scams, tech support (laughs) scams. I mean, really, you name it. And the motivating factor is just people trying to get money. 
Yes, although it might not seem like that at first. Maybe it's just a little bit of information. Maybe they try to build up a relationship with you before they do an ask for money. Mm-hmm. So that what, that's what makes it really easy for consumers to kind of fall into the trap because the person's not asking for anything right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And who seem to be the targets? What group of people are these scammers after? You know, scammers use mass marketing communication approaches. So the telephone, the internet, email. So they really cast a broad net. But there are certain scam types that certain types of people are more likely to take the bait on. So we tend to find that older adults might be more susceptible to tech support scams uh, versus young adults, it's online shopping. What's a tech support scam? So a tech support scam is maybe you get a pop-up on your computer or your iPad, says something's up. They give you a phone number to call. Sometimes the scammers will even play loud siren noises coming out of your computer. That acts as a distraction. It gets your heart rate rushing. Oh and so you just follow their orders. Call this number. We'll, we'll solve it. And then they start asking you for money. Um, wow. <laughs> and so uh, that's one that particularly older folks will sometimes fall victim to. Yeah, at least we see that in the reporting data. So tech support. And um, with the younger folks, we talked about the fake job ones. Explain this to me. Yeah, so I think with the push to online remote work, a lot of people are going online and seeing these jobs with a pretty decent wage or salary. And it's remote. So it's easy, you know, and there's this expectation that I'm not going to be coming in anywhere for an interview because I'm going to be working from home Mm -hmm. off my laptop. But these criminals are so sophisticated that they'll even do a mock job interview with you. So you will be on Zoom face to face with a person who's actually a fraud criminal and they'll be asking you questions. And all of this adds to this sense of legitimacy. Like, this is plausible. Why would a fraud criminal go right. through all these lengths? But it's it's fake. So then how do they get money out of you? A number of ways. So one way that they've been getting money out of people is they say, OK, we're going to send you a check in the mail to purchase startup equipment. Maybe it's a computer. Maybe it's other types of equipment. And then they send too much. Maybe they accidentally added an extra zero. And they're like, oh, no, when you call in and say, we we over, we overcompensated you. But you know what? For your trouble, why don't you keep about 500 of that? And then you send us back the rest in a check. So you've already deposited the check. The money is available in your account, in your bank account. You might wait a couple days, and then you just write them a check. And then a week later, your bank gets in touch with you. That was a fake check. So Mm -hmm. now you're not only out all of the money that you just withdrew from your own account, maybe you actually took out more money than you had in your bank account. So now you owe the bank the overdraft fees as well and the bounce check fees. Um, And Mm. then the the criminals have the money that you either wired or that you sent them a check for. So a lot of people don't know about how those bogus checks work. Wow. Um, uh, Susan, you're at the Better Business Bureau. Just hearing this, I know you've experienced this and know about people who've become victims of this. As a person, how does that make you feel? Well, I come to work every day, as do my colleagues, with a strong sense of purpose because we hear stories like that. And honestly, I have goosebumps as she's Mm -hmm. talking about it because we see examples of that same scam twisted, Mm -hmm. not only from a tech scam, but to something very unsophisticated like a refrigerator repair company that an older gentleman who came to one of our events actually brought the check, the fake check with us, Mm -hmm. with him to show everybody because same same kind of formulas for these scams 
are reiterated in different kinds of scenarios and very specifically targeted to certain audiences, if you will, so that that same recipe for success from the fraudsters is duplicated. It's very simple. Get people distracted in situations that they're not familiar with. The kind of scam that, Marty, you were talking about, that doesn't happen very often. So you're delving into a situation that you're unfamiliar with, Mm -hmm. and those fraudsters know very carefully how to get little incremental steps towards you taking action that benefits them. And there's always an element, as Chris Farrell was suggesting a few minutes ago, of urgency. So do it quick, and then before you know it, you're knocked back on your heels, Mm -hmm. and you're out money or out your identity or whatever it is the fraudster is trying to extract from you. And I imagine people feel so, after the anger and the shock, just shame. Shame. And that's the other thing that's on the fraudster side, because people go underground. They don't even tell their friends, maybe their spouse, their children, if Mm -hmm. they're elderly. And actually, there's probably a window of time where they call either BBB, where we can give them some information, or more importantly, like the Federal Trade Commission, because we're not an enforcement agency, where with the right amount of time, time, you maybe can get back. Your bank could react. But report if, it. Report it, and maybe in some cases get the money back. But if you are shamed, you don't go into a quick mode and mm-hmm. therefore don't respond soon enough, and that buys the fraudster's time to get out of Dodge with your cash or your identity in hand. All right, we're already getting lots of phone calls. I want to open the phone lines and talk to some of our listeners. We're talking about scams, the latest scams, and how sophisticated they've become. And we're going to talk about how to make sure you identify them and so that you're not a victim of this. Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. In Minneapolis, let's take this phone call from Christina. Christina, what do you want to tell us? Yeah, hi. Um, Good morning. morning. I guess I was really... um, I related a lot to when you're talking about young people looking for jobs um, and kind of getting scammed by fake companies. And I kind of have a little story because this happened to me. And luckily, I didn't give them um, the information that they wanted. But basically, I'm a young professional in Minneapolis. I've been looking for kind of a more um, big girl job, as they call them. And so I found this company and it kind of seemed too good to be true um, because they were offering a really big salary for kind of a entry level position. And I feel like that's a big red flag Mm -hmm. (laughs) for anybody that, you know, is looking for a job. Just too good to be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. Be wary of companies that are offering, you know, one hundred thousand dollars for like um, a front desk job, things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But this company, I had like three interviews with them and there was that kind of sense of urgency. Like a lot of times we would end an interview and they'd say, well, are are you willing to send us this information by 5 p.m. today? Like it has to be today. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it's definitely real. I would say be careful if you're looking on Indeed.com because a lot of um, fake workplaces actually put out ads on that website. Wow. And I found a lot when I was <laughs> looking for a job. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Christina, for sharing your story. Uh, we have uh, another phone call. This is in Minneapolis. Lucy's on the line. Hi, Lucy. We're talking about scams. What did you want to tell us? Hi, it's actually Loopy, L-U-P-I. Oh, I am hi, a Loopy. freelance. Oh, no worries. Um, I'm actually a freelance illustrator and cartoonist, and I was targeted by a checking fraud scam um, in 2021. Somebody contacted me uh, looking for 
illustrations for they said they were an event planner and they needed um, illustrations for a COVID prevention workshop. And Mm -hmm. they they were so smart. They knew exactly what to say to make it sound like a legitimate illustration job. And the first email they sent, they told me what size they wanted the images to be, what file format they would want, what age group their target demographic was. And these are kind of these are details that I kind of usually have to prod clients for. So this is a nice change of pace to have all this information up front. Um, And there were some red flags right away, but they kind of caught me at a time where I had just finished some book illustrations and didn't have anything else lined up right away. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, let's let's just see where this goes. But they, they ended up doing exactly what, you know, what you all described. They sent a check for twice the amount they were supposed to send. And, um, I was suspicious, but they emailed me before I had a chance to even ask about it to say, oh, we're going to keep you on for a second phase of the project, and we're just paying you up front for that, and started pushing me to deposit the check right away. Now, my husband worked in a bank, uh, uh, you know, years ago, and we're looking at this check, like studying it and trying to figure out, is this real? This can't be real. So we were like Googling the routing number, like looking up the name of the business printed on the check. Uh, and the the business name printed on the check was a real business, and it had a real physical location that we could see on Google Maps. The routing number was for a real bank. I was still kind of iffy, so I checked with the bank teller. Do you think this is a real check? I told him why I was suspicious, and the bank teller said, yeah, it looks real, and he deposited <gasps> it into my account. And then they started asking for a refund, and I was like, well, dang. Wow. <laughs> this, is obviously, this is obviously exactly what I thought it was going to be. But by then, the, you know, the... You know, so I, I didn't give them any money back. Okay, you just you check, gave it some time. Uh, wow, that... I just kind of messed with them, and I, right. and I waited for the check to bounce. But the really crazy thing is, it never bounced. It turned out that they stole the money from a legitimate account, and I guess maybe we're using me to launder it. And it is actually still in my account. I got lost. Oh, this sounds of like this sounds like a movie. My goodness. Uh, thank you, Loopy. Um, Marty. So there are you know this is confusing because there are legitimate job offerings and openings and virtual interviews. And so they're mixed in with all of these, um, you know, fraud, fraudulent jobs. So we don't want people tonight not look for jobs online. So how do you recognize a fake job posting? So I think the callers gave us some (sighs) indicators, Um, pressure to act quickly, maybe having the salary named up front, um, you know, quick to interview you. It seems like things are moving quickly. But I also want to just say that, you know, the first caller, Christina, she found this job on Indeed. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens with us as consumers is we have this kind of mental trust transfer. We trust Indeed. This is a well-known company. They have ads, you know, they have commercial spots. So if we trust Indeed, then we probably are more likely to transfer that trust to the things we see on Indeed. Mm -hmm. Happens with Facebook, too. You know, we trust Facebook and we see these profiles. So we trust the profiles and think they're legitimate people. Amazon. I mean, we can name any company. And scammers are capitalizing on our trust for these big name brands and companies. Uh, Susan, how can somebody get their money back, though? Does that even happen? Do people, are there some victories? Do people get their money back? Or is it really hard? Well, it, it can be really hard. But the important thing is, is to, once you realize it's not going down the way it's supposed to act fast, work with your bank. M- many of our bank partners are just wonderful 
partners in the process, not only in preventing scam, but helping people. Good. And That's good to know. Enforcement agencies, call your local police department because you'll be required to report the crime and have that as a document. So quick to act and their local outreach in your local law enforcement agency is well aware of that. We work with lots of them. And finally, the Federal Trade Commission as well. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add one tip if we could. We do a lot of research at Better Business Bureau. And one thing that we look at is the uh, optimism bias. And that is where people tend to think that somehow we deserve the best. And when something positive happens to us, we fail to recognize that it's too good to be true, right? So we think it's our lucky day. Look at, woo, it's, <laughs> it's Friday the 13th, which is coming up this right. week. And it's, woo, a good day after all. And so when that job happens and you've been looking for a job like Loopy was, mm-hmm. maybe it just seems like your big day. Right. And so you get I've sucked this. into this right. optimism that it really is happening in a good way. And that allows you to be sucked into this myth. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. act fast once you... Um, see it and those red flags, those that's God or nature's way of saying something's not right here and act quickly on it. Engage others as fast as you can. Uh, let's take another phone call. Uh, we've talked a lot about the job scams. There's so many. I want to get to as many as we can. Uh, in Mankato, we've got Ryan on the phone. Hey, Ryan, what do you want to tell us as we talk about scams that are out there? Yeah, I've had a couple experiences. My, oh, my father, who's in his early 60s, was called uh, and told that he was me. Uh, in, in jail, and my father needed to send $15,000 in bail, and I had been in a major accident. and So that was one thing, uh, and he, you know, fortunately took that time that your previous caller mentioned, and, and he called mm-hmm. me and figured out mm-hmm. what was going on. But I found, even more interestingly, my sister-in-law, who's a medical doctor, was recently scammed, almost scammed, out of $6,000 uh, through quite an elaborate situation where they... Uh, she has to sometimes be a witness for medical uh, for patients of hers. And so someone found this out about her and called and had her um, come to go to her bank and get $6,000 out for the courts because she was in contempt of missing her court date as a witness and needed to bring this cash immediately to uh, a, a court station. And they had set up an office, and this apparently happened to several other several of her other colleagues. Um, this is out east. Uh, but Good yeah, it's, it's, a, it's remarkable where they come up, you know, and, and show up even in professionals like medical doctors mm-hmm. arenas. Ela- elaborate schemes. Thank you. That's Ryan in Mankato. And yeah, as we talk about uh, intimidation, particularly on the phone, um, what have you seen there, um, Susan, with um, scammers trying to maybe impersonate people, um, maybe law enforcement or, or, you know, companies, someone you have, a, you know, that would bill you or in this case, pretending like you need to help this this person in your family. As Marty was saying earlier, these people are good. They're quite sophisticated. They're actors. They're fraudsters. So they mm. they use scripts. They use role-playing to really get to the heart of it. And they're good at it. It's unfortunate that they're good at an evil thing. But in fact, they're very, very adept at it. And they've done it enough times to work through the... Um, call it the timing of it and the tone of it to make it sound real. So we, unfortunately have a number of people who call us after the fact, but I'm proud to say that in 2022, there were 87 callers who called BBB right before pressing send or right before responding. And in real time, we do a rough count, if you will, of tabulating uh, 504 
$504,000 worth of money that we saved from scammers, the ones that had that hunch that something wasn't right. So BBB is a nonprofit organization. We're a non-government agency. We're here to help consumers. Our number is one 800 646 6222. You can find us online, bbb.org. We're here to help you. We we charge nothing. We're free. We are legitimate. We're not fraudsters. <laughs> Our people care. We cry together when we hear about people who forfeit, um, like uh, the fellow in Mankato's father, the ones that don't stop and don't look and don't listen. And the education <laughs> process, which is, you know, why I want to talk about this today. And, um, you know, um, Marty, as we the last caller talked about um, the call saying someone's in jail, said money. That's when I've that's when that's been around for a while, right? Have you heard of that one? A lot? Yeah, so it must be effective, right? So that's what it tells us, right? Yeah, and and I want to I want to talk about one limit of consumer education, and this is something that has been coming up in my research. People do not make their best decisions when they're in states of high emotional arousal. When they're feeling deeply fearful, when they're feeling deeply excited. And so the criminals will do everything they can to get you in those emotional states right off the bat. Because then all of the warning signs, even visual warning signs right in front of you, even people coming to you face to face saying, I'm concerned, this is a scam. People just override that information. And they're just willing to march through and follow the scammer's orders. Let's uh, talk with more of our listeners in Minneapolis. Kat is on the phone. Kat, thank you for waiting. What did you want to tell us? What happened with you? Yeah. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to share about a scam that I didn't even think was a possibility before it happened to me. Um, so one evening after work, I just stopped at the gas station to fill my tank and you know get some snacks. And um, there is this other a gentleman with a, a look like a stalled car and um he came up to me and and said hey i i'm i'm having car troubles could could i use your phone to call roadside assistance and to be honest i'm a sucker for you know <laughs> trying to help people who look like they need help on the on the streets or whatever and so i let him use my phone and he called um state farm roadside assistance on speaker and it didn't seem like they were really getting anywhere but he he kept passing my phone back to me and i haven't an iPhone, uh, Apple iPhone. And so I, I guess it kept getting locked. So he was asking me to put my, my pin in to open it again. And one of the times he passed me my phone to unlock it, the lock screen was white instead of black. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Just like, oh, okay, whatever. But then shortly after that, he appeared to be done and said, okay, I'm just going to wait for them to call or to come here. So I said, okay, good luck. And I drove off. And I saw uh, right after I drove off that he had attempted to charge $150 from my Apple Pay to his Google Voice number. Um, wow. And I realized that must have been the what happened when the, the lock screen was white. Mm-hmm. And um, so I... Because we you know, forget our, phone, really, our phones now are not just phones. They're like computers with our financial information, yeah, bank yeah, information, it's, Apple it's Pay. Wallet. Right. It's a wallet. Right. Um, thank you. That's Kat in Minneapolis. And Marty, what do you hear there? Um, that's a, obviously a crime, but obviously someone thinking and maybe part of a bigger network. Right. It's almost like the caller could have just been handing over her actual wallet or cash mm-hmm. to this person. Yeah, well, there's so many ways our information is just everywhere. And our phones, we need to hold them really closely and keep them protected and use strong passwords and be really 
cautious if we're going to help anyone. In fact, Mm -hmm. for that kind of situation, I might have recommended that she offer to call roadside assistance for him. Yeah, I can look up the number. Who do you have? Let me make the call for you. Stand next to me. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, Susan, what do you hear in that? Oh, look at your facial expression, Susan. My goodness. I feel so sad. (laughs) Not fight. I want to cry for all these people. Because, again, we hear it day in and day out. And it, the level of sophistication and the consistency yes. with which right. these fraudsters find their niche, so mm-hmm. to speak, that man perhaps targeted her because she looked like or perhaps he saw her with a phone or whatever. But I love, Marty, your solutions because uh, stop, look, and listen. Chris at the top of the hour said the same thing. Slow it down. Think about it. It Practice, if you will, what you will Right. do for this New Year's resolution of, of resolving not to be a victim in this process. Because we don't want to stop uh, one another from helping one another, but we don't want to be victimized either. So that's kind of what we're talking about. Let's, let's be smart about what's, what's happening and, and, and understanding that not everybody is out here to do, to do good. Uh, let's uh, take another phone call. Um, uh, this is Kathy. I have in my notes here, Kathy, you're calling from France? Yes, that's true, Angela. And I listen as often as I can. Oh, well, I think I guess it's good afternoon. Hi. Yeah, exactly. We used to live in Minneapolis, so I still listen to NPR daily. We're practically around the clock. Thank you. What's going on with you? you for for addressing... Pardon me? I said, what's going on with you and scams? um, A couple of years ago, about seven years ago, my husband, who works as a document translator freelance... Um, received an email from a potential client, which is typically how his business works. And um, he spent two days working on a translation for this gentleman. Um, when time came to invoice the guy, um, we got a an envelope in the mail <laughs> with traveler's checks in it. And uh, the man had obviously overpaid and asked us to go ahead and cash the traveler's checks and just return the difference to him. And I knew by looking at these things, I'm an experienced business traveler, and I knew by looking at them that they were fraudulent. And I said to my husband, sorry, honey, but you wasted two days on this man, and um, this isn't real. And I contacted the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation in downtown Minneapolis because mm-hmm. I figured this was mail fraud. It crossed, um, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of boundaries. And the agent who answered the phone basically said, we get about a dozen of these a day. And basically, we can't be bothered chasing down these little things. And I thought, you know, at hundreds of dollars a pop, times 12 a day, I would prefer to think that our federal agencies would take an interest in helping the little guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's, your, your question, the issue there. you're wondering what the federal government is doing to prevent more scams like this. Yes, yeah. exactly. Let's ask our guest. Thank you. That's Kathy uh, calling in from France. Thank you for listening to NPR, Kathy. Uh, Marty, what is the federal government doing? Right. So, you know, as as the caller said, that's a that's a lot for just one office to handle a day. So one, they're a little overwhelmed, um, but two, it's kind of this multiple pronged approach to fighting fraud. So consumer education is really important, and that's a big part of their efforts. Second is enforcement. But when you think about these these crimes, most of them are international. These criminals are not here on U.S. soil. They're not easy to identify. They're not easy to arrest. They use really anonymous forms of getting the money. And so that presents a challenge to law enforcement. 
So another area that they're working on is legislation. So what can we do to enforce legitimate and real companies to do more to fight impersonation scams? Like, how can we help regulate forms of money to peer-to-peer transfer like Zelle or Venmo so that consumers have more recourse instead of just being told the money is gone? You transferred Mm -hmm. it and it's gone immediately. But, you know, I do want to empathize with the caller that it does feel that nothing is being done, but this is just such a challenging uh, problem and and technology is accelerating faster than we can keep up and enforce. You mentioned during the news break to me that there is a government agency that folks should know about. Yes, that is the Internet Crime Complaint Center, IC3. IC3 is um, an organization that is a complaint that takes your complaints And they do have the ability to do a rapid response. And if you can report within 24 hours, it's possible that they will be able to help you recoup those losses, especially if it's things like a wire transfer. Now, Susan said there's another agency to report to or another group. I think it's always your bank and whatever method of payment the money left. So credit card. Mm -hmm. Start there. And then IC3, I would say, is the next. And then report to the Federal Trade Commission um, to be part of, you know, okay. the consumer complaint. We'll put all this on the, on the website, Absolutely. on my page, on the on our NPR News website, so people can, can follow up. Um, Susan, what did you want to say about... Start with your local police department, because sometimes it is the nefarious organization from Nigeria or from the Caribbean, but sometimes it's the person down the street. Because some and, of these scam artists are local. They well, are like some of these, in Burnsville. Right? Well, some of these scam artists are living across the street because right. our sad stories at BBB, we hear more about the nice neighbor that's watching the elderly parent. Boy, it's so nice they come over every Tuesday and have tea with my mother. <laughs> well, in the meantime, they're going through her bank accounts and whatnot. And so some of the fraud that we see is actually you've let people into that inner circle. So it's not just the text. It's not just the email that looks real. It's the real person that's living mm-hmm. down the street that slowly over time helps you to let down your guard and before you know it absconds uh, with lots of money. I have some personal stories that I won't go into now, but I've seen it both professionally and personally that it's sometimes so-and-so's people brother-in-law, we people mm-hmm. we know and not always the stranger down the street. I want to take more phone calls, but I have to ask this before we run out of time. Student loans and college loan forgiveness. There are new scams now surrounding uh you know, loan forgiveness and people, you know, endeavoring to pay off their loans or, you know, there's a pause right now. Marty, what do we need to know about that? Yeah. So anytime there's a new policy change or something that comes through the pipeline from Washington, we absolutely see the scammers just come out of the woodwork and build a scam around it. So if you get any sort of solicitation or someone who contacts you, say, we're going to help you, you know, recover some of this money or help you get money from the government for your loans, that is a fraud. That is a fraud. You shouldn't ever have to pay a fee to get help with loan recovery. Um, so just be really, really wary of anyone reaching out to you. And the process of of setting up, um, you know, a pause in your uh, college loans, you have to go online to do it. So I think people know that. So that mm-hmm. they're kind of using this as an opportunity to to trick people into to getting their information. Yeah. So check the websites right. really carefully. Make Susan sure it's a federal website. Face. She's got her fight face on. Boy, anytime they that? ask you for silly things like gift card payment or wire transfer, that's usually a sign that things aren't legit. So Explain gift down. card payment. Sure. So the 
circumstance that Marty's describing that when it gets to what the payment is for the service that you're getting that you really don't need anyways, because if you're applying for a student loan, you shouldn't have to pay somebody for it. But you'll see the option to go to, they'll ask usually things like Target gift cards or Best Buy gift cards because they're very accessible. So go collect and pay for this service with gift cards. And you would think that that would be obvious, but you'd be surprised at how many people that we hear from where Did, they've actually gone and done that, thinking in that vulnerable moment that that's what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So red flag, but no in advance. If you hear anything like cryptocurrency or wireless stuff that you don't normally do, it's time to slow it down and stop it down and check mm-hmm. things out. All right, let's uh, talk to another listener. This time in New Brighton, we have Sam on the phone. Good morning, Sam. What do you want to tell us about scams? Yeah, I was uh, called by uh, the CIA, supposedly, and I had uh, my name came up in an automobile down in Texas that I was uh, laundering money and that it was be unless they can prove I didn't, I would have to pay a fine and be in prison. And if I cooperated with them, it would be okay. So they showed me their badges, uh, sent sent them on a message, and said we'll be back in touch with you next tomorrow. And they said in order to try and catch this guy, since it's cash that he's getting, we need you to take money out of your account. And so I did thirty thousand dollars, and oh. they, you know, they promised that you know they would give it back to me, and this would clear me as well as help them. And so I sent it to some place in in California, and then I was dumb enough to do it again. I sent the other thirty thousand to somebody in New in New Jersey, and they were going to get back with me and uh, get, return give give me a check and a new social security number on Friday between two and three. So, and, Sam, and I, was was this this start out as a phone conversation? This is over the phone that they were intimidating. It was all over the phone, and I bit hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I bit into it, and then when they didn't appear on Friday, I just then I called the number that I'd previously called to talk to them. They left their number with me, and that the number had been disconnected. I'm so sorry, and, Sam. I'm that's sorry. That's when I realized I was scammed. I'm a veteran, 84 years of age, and on Monday I went to the VA hospital. We we uh, filled out the um, thing from uh, Federal Trade, mm-hmm. uh, but I what they said I it said they was unlikely I get my money. Then I called the local police, and I was quite surprised because they said you sent money out of city so we can't do anything really for you but go ahead and send me a report anyway i called the fbi called the bank and of course the fbi i didn't even know that they had an office cia had an office downtown and uh so anyway that's uh so me of my life savings if it weren't for social security i'd be on the street so so sam that was about 60 that was about sixty thousand dollars about sixty thousand you lost about sixty thousand dollars I lost sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, and I can tell you, you still feel a lot of a lot of shame. Oh, immensely! I haven't told some of my friends. And uh, the other thing I'm hoping is that uh, I'm going to join ARRP, and I'm hoping that they'll start something that about these people that get scammed, like myself. And if the people read that and catch it, if it's done right, mm-hmm. you know that. They Share will the story. be informed mm-hmm. that, hey, you don't want to, you know, if you get these phone calls, you 
you got to, you know, talk to your attorney or call a friend, you know. Sam, thank you for calling in and and sharing what happened to you. Sam, I want to get our guests a chance to respond to to your story. Sam and New Brighton, a terrible story Um, over the phone. Same thing happened to my aunt. Same thing, identically so. Her savings. Her savings, yep. That's a tough one for me to hear. Um, Sam, reach out to AARP. AARP is one of our closest partners. With the Better Business Bureau? Better Business Mm -hmm. Bureau, right. The consumer education that AARP does on a national basis is tremendous, and we'd love to invite you to a scam jam where you can share your story with others. What's a scam jam? Scam jam. We get together and we figure out how to learn how to fight Fight those scammers before they find us. So we have scam jams a couple times a year with AARP. You can look online at bbb.org. I'm not sure when the no- next one is scheduled, but I imagine... Across in the, the state? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. across the state and learn how to empower yourself. Make a resolution to say, I will not be a victim going forward mm-hmm. because some of these uh, steps right now can, can save you not only uh, $60,000, but just the pride and the worry of being right. scammed as a victim. Right. And Marty, I mentioned, I, I got a, a text over the weekend uh, from apparently, well, not apparently, <laughs> from the U.S. Postal Service. It made sense to me because I've ordered some stuff. I'm waiting some, for some things to come. I'm like, oh, is that the, the text said there was a problem with your address. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, give us your information. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And then we need your credit card information because we need nine more cents. To, I was like, wait, wait a minute. But the same thing. I was rushing. I was trying to get dressed to go mm-hmm. run errands. Um, and it's plausible because you do business with this organization. Right, right. That's and, how the Amazon imposter scam was so successful. We all turned to Amazon during the pandemic. What's the Amazon imposter scam? What is that? Same thing. The, you know, it could be USPS that they're they're uh, impersonating or it's Amazon. There's a package issue or did you order this on your account? Some like expensive flat right. screen TV. It's not you, but you all of a sudden think, oh, no, is someone hacked into my account and ordering things? And so you respond. Panic mode, right? Panic mode. Yeah. And I think we see that also with Sam's story. You know, they immediately go to how do we get this person to feel fear? Mm-hmm. How do we threaten this person in a way that they override their better decision making and just do exactly as we say? And in our last minute, the advice to people listening, and we didn't even cover all the types of scams, but to know this, that the scam artists are very sophisticated, they've become very smart, and they've, they're they successful. What is the advice? It sounds like the first thing is really is to tell someone. Yeah, and it's right? not your fault. It's oh. not your fault. Again, like you just said, they're getting so sophisticated. It's not just older adults. It's young adults, too. So, yes, slow down. Report as fast as you can. Talk to your bank. Talk to IC3. Talk to AARP and the Federal Trade Commission. Report everywhere. We need more information getting out into the public that these scams are happening. Mm -hmm. And, Susan, uh, in the last 30 seconds, what do you want to tell people? Call BBB. We're here to help you. In that moment of panic and feeling shame, we're not going to make you feel embarrassed about it. We're going to help you, give you the information that you need. So as Marty said, call somebody and make a resolution. Learn as much as you can about scam prevention. That's what you can do. I enjoyed this conversation. Learned a lot. Uh, Thank you to our listeners who were courageous enough to share their stories. Uh, When we talk about it, we can solve it. Thank you again to our guests. We've been talking with Susan Adams-Lloyd, the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Minnesota and North Dakota, as well as Marty DeLima, assistant professor at the University of Minnesota School of Social Work. Again, go to our website, nprnews.org. On my show page, we'll have those resources for you to report and to get more information on the coming smarter consumer. This conversation was produced by Matt Alvarez. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning at 9.
Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.